0: Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard. That was Clifford Wright. And for all the money in the world, one of the highlights of the forthcoming Clifford Wright album. Clifford Wright are known for featuring Doug Cosmo Clifford in their ranks. Cosmo most notably known for playing drums in Credence. And we've got Cosmo here today to talk about highlights from his career and of course his new single that we've just played. So let's hear my chat with Cosmo. Cosmo, thanks so much to uh, agree to speak to me. Clearly you've got a a new album out for all the money in the world, a Clifford Wright project. So I understand that this was um, a project that you've basically reached out into your archives and dusted it off and um, are releasing it now?
1: Well, we'll have a single uh, in uh, July uh, 13th, I believe, and that'll be for all the money in the world, the, the title track, uh, the first first one up on the the order, and then the uh, second single will be coming out August 3rd, and then the album will be coming out the 27th of August. So we're, we're kind of giving little samplers. Um, <laughs> Of songs. Uh, so it's not quite out yet. I'm very excited about it. Uh, there's some, it's kind of a, a super session for, for lack of a better term. Uh, and, and of course, it, it was recorded 35 years ago. So all of the, the people who've played on it have had uh, uh, terrific, uh, successful careers in, in, the, in the music world, which is a difficult task uh, these days or any day, any time way back when.
0: But the heart of it was uh, Steve Wright, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> that's right. And uh, he's no longer with us, so uh, uh, his, uh, his legacy uh, continues uh, with uh, the uh, release of, of this record. And uh, he co-wrote all the songs with me. And we, we were uh, songwriting, that's how it started out. Yeah. And uh, then we thought, hey, why not put a band together and and to get a deal and and uh, see what we can do that didn't happen but uh you know uh, what we did get is a, a nice uh legacy of music from that project and and that's what what the uh, the record uh, record is and
0: this was a project where i don't think you did lead vocals it was
1: keith england keith yes uh, keith england terrific singer he's one of those guys that uh, has the uh, the dream he's had it for most of his adult life or all of his adult life probably he was the youngest one uh, in the project terrific singer and he still has that uh that eye on the uh, on the horizon for uh, a successful uh, uh, music career, and I'm hoping that's one of the, the, the many reasons that I hope we have success with the project.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you hear the title track of the album or Lost Pride Fever, it, it seems remarkable that um, you didn't get signed up or have chart success in that time. Was that b- because you
1: didn't play live? I'm not really sure why. Um, there was one of the reasons uh we, didn't, we weren't going out and playing to gigs and uh, that was Steve's call. He didn't want to go out and play in in lesser venues than than he had been playing in with greg kin and you know, and I told him i was you know I think I was in a pretty big band <laughs> and and we I have no problem going back to to the streets where we we started. Uh, that band, of course, that, that band, the Creedence Clearwater Revival. Uh, I, w- I was very disappointed uh, when uh, he uh, came up with that particular attitude about it. In those days, the way you got a record deal is you submit songs. Uh, t- that's that would be the recordings uh, that we made. Then you you send them out to labels that you're you're interested in. And uh, hopefully they can contact you with their ANR department. and uh, then you set up an appointment for them to come see you play at a you know one of these gigs that, that I just alluded to. and then you get to look him in the eye and tell him what your plans are and and uh, hopefully he, he li- hopefully he like the, like the, the the music. They all like the the recordings. But the, the way you got it, they wanted to see you playing those songs, and uh, that didn't happen. And of course, as a result, there was no deal. Then Steve got sick, and uh, I sort of took care of that, and I was opted to, to a solo project. But at that point, I said, well, I, I'll try to get a deal myself. And... And then many things happened, life, <laughs> kids, <laughs> other things that, that were going on. And uh, then the, the, those uh, songs and recordings were sort of forgotten. We're calling at uh, Cosmo's vault. And there's uh, about five or six albums worth of material, including an album, short album, but uh, with uh, Bobby Whitlock, where, again, I, Bobby and I split the songwriting and we were the the the, the, the writers providing the uh, the band with material that was going along pretty well and we were going to play gigs and played a few and then Bobby's wife didn't like being on the west coast and wanted to go to back to England or or back to the to Memphis I'm not sure which big broad uh, difference uh, between Memphis and, and Europe so but anyway that that one uh, didn't happen, but again, in my opinion we had we had artistic success with the songwriting we were doing, the same with Steve and uh, Clifford Wright. Uh, you know that's when I was very, very uh, productive with writing and uh, and then in my songwriting i, I mean, in my uh, solo album i I co-wrote with several people, including a fellow named Rob Polomsky and then we co-wrote four songs of the solo career so uh, I, like to, I like to co-write but, but I don't like to co-write with more than one person so keeps the focus uh, uh, there when you start going about uh, writing by committee a lot of things get in the way uh, you know uh, there are log jams for sure but when you have somebody that you uh, admire and who has the, the talent to bring uh, the, the melodies or, or chord changes. And I, I have the, the ability to come up with uh, grooves and songs that can be built that way. And then once that process has happened, then I'll take the, the raw recordings on cassettes, actually, take them home to a four-track machine, put put the, that information on one track and then work out lyrics and... and, and uh, and a lot of times, uh, melodies of verses, uh, and uh, that's how the songwriting worked. And it was, it was great. And and uh, I had, and that's where Magic Window came from. I had a beautiful yeah. view of Lake Tahoe, and I would bring that, bring the the work to my studio, and go up there and look out at the beautiful view and get inspired, and uh, maybe have, have a pull on a on a joint or or not you know it's all that's all legal now around here so <laughs> yeah it's, it's just it's kind of i never thought i'd see that in my 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 lifetime but anyway that, uh, you know that's kind of how th- how things went and it was a very prolific time i you know it was uh really it was a terrific creative time and then i like i i do i like producing so the, that was uh, another thing that I was able to do: uh, produce these these uh, songs into rec- uh, you know, into records, and uh, that that process uh, is, is going on now with, with what I'm doing. You know, these things were two-track masters. Uh, uh, we didn't have we didn't find the multi-tracks for them, so. We couldn't remix them. We, we could we could uh, adjust the mixes with the Pro Tools and uh, you know compression and 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 uh, equalization things like that. But we, we didn't have the luxury of you know taking a, 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 a single instrument and and uh boosting it you we could do the boost that frequency but it would also have effects on other yeah. other instruments within that frequency so anyway we I, you know it's been a challenge but it's uh we're making um, uh, you know radio quality masters so I'm, I'm calling it cosmos cosmos vault another 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 little project from from Cosmo's vault.
0: Yeah, and you obviously we, we've mentioned Clifford Wright, and we've mentioned Magic Window, which was the solo album of yours that you released last year. And you talked about the production process. How did the production process compare on that with, um, say, Doug San, and you know, a, a decade oh. earlier? Because it must have
1: been quite a difference. Well, yeah, we had a, we were actually recording all the music at that point, so we had all the all the the multitracks. In fact, I think most of that stuff was done on 16-track. Yeah. I, had, I had complete control of anything if I wanted to pull. In fact, I found some two track, 16-track uh, 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 multi-tracks of Doug Zom from my house in, up in the mountains. Uh, and, and it was just before he became... Uh, the Texas tornadoes. Hmm. So I have that. I have that. And one of these days, I'm going to get it out. Hopefully it's still good. Like all the other tapes have survived the test of time, but this will be one where I can actually remix from ground zero. And, uh, but I have other, other things on, on, on the agenda first. Um, right now it's, 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 uh, the Clifford Wright project. I'm starting my own label. So, uh, and I've got a distribution deal with Sony Sony Orchard a fellow named Bob Frank who's a, an old veteran of the record business and, and uh, he, he's made a deal with Sony so he's He's uh, going to be the distributor for my very first record on my, my on, on on Cliff Song Records. So I'm you're getting into being a record company. But the the thing that's really cool is all the everything that is being released will be a, a song that I'm a writer or a co-writer on. So it's a kind of a cross. Pollination, if you will, uh, where I'm a, a label, but uh, I'm I'm a publisher for that label.
0: That's great to hear, because obviously, Doug, and well, when you listen to Groover's Paradise and uh, songs like "Beautiful Texas Sunshine," there's so much quality there, and you're indicating that
1: there's more to come as well. So that's really exciting. Groover's Paradise, the the album, was probably the best uh, uh, production I, I've I've done in my career. Uh, and it's always nice to be able to play drums you know of course that's generally that goes that's goes with the with the deal if you get me and I'm going to be the drummer and, and because i i know i know the drummer pretty well and
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i you know i i know that that really kind of helps and and uh, uh the material and or the direction uh, what I wanted to get with with Doug Sam was to showcase his his many talents, and uh, he, he's probably the most talented guy I've ever worked with. And you know, John Fogarty's no slouch, but Doug was it was came naturally with Doug. He could play any instrument, and he could sing. If he did a country song, you would say that would be George Jones. I mean, it was it was a real you know he he became that that uh, that artist that that persona and then uh it was a rock and roll song boom he, he sounded like a rock and roll guy i mean and could play the instruments accordingly the hard part with doug was keeping him under control <laughs> he, he had so much energy and he would bounce like a, a bumblebee uh, in, a, in a meadow of many flowers. And he, he, he free. all of a sudden he would oh, "I want to do, I want to put my blues band together again. I want to, I want to do some blues." I said, "Wait, a minute. we're we're in the middle of beautiful Texas sunshine. Let's finish this song." And that was the hard part, keeping him focused. And once, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell him he was, you know, the the the, the biggest star in, in the world. I didn't play to that part of his ego because then he would he would just get stoned another day wasted i just told him that the work is is his legacy and the the tape tape doesn't lie and the tape will last forever so let's 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 put down quality work once i i i got that going and and he 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 respected me and what i did and and that i could do that you know, uh, and focus and, and, you know, really get maximum time, maximum uh, results for, uh, for the time that we, we had in the studio that worked. And, and man, oh man, it, we have some great mu- music on, on that. And, and the difference between Beautiful Texas Sunshine and, 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 and uh, Gruber's Paradise, and the, there was uh, an R&B, uh, the second song. Devil Heart. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite grooves ever. <laughs> you know, and i just go man this guy is good. You know, just you gotta gotta make sure that uh, we get everything we want while while he's well, you know while he's uh, in control or or I was in control of. Of uh, you know, making him see that you know, hey, you you have many talents, and I want to show the world what you can do. Yeah. Uh, when we're in the we're in the in the in the country zone, you've got to be locked up tight. So yeah, that 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 record was a a real good one for me, and a, and a, you know, and a, and that's the the the, the my opinion, uh, and I am slightly uh, you know bent on this, but. I think it's the best record he ever made, and in in terms of what showcasing his talent, for sure. Uh, And uh, yeah, I miss him. He 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 was a, a challenge to you know. He had so much energy, but getting it to, to you know to, with one, two, three, four, getting you know okay. Today we're doing we're doing one. Tomorrow we're doing two. You know, and, and getting him to uh, to uh, be focused on on the, the the project at hand. So yeah, I, he's one of those guys. It's just one of those rare. Rare talents, and it was, uh, you know, an honor for me that that he respected me to uh, uh, guide that talent, and uh, you know, get as as much as we could out of out of the time that we spent.
0: Uh, Creedence seemed to bring the various rock and roll roots and then update them and, and then bring them into the, the late 60s so when you you know you hear your version of Susie Q which is kind of a bit more rockabilly originally you've you've lifted that and was that a case of the fact that you'd played together for so long and and created your own sound on top of that rock and roll template
1: yeah absolutely uh, we we played for 10 years together before we had our first hit so that and we stayed with the genre that that we love we didn't yeah a lot of people said well you need a gimmick you know mm-hmm. well there this this is what's happening now well wait a minute you know we're looking for a, you know a career that, that will will last a while and we're also looking for a career that is us you know we we're not going to Jump on something that's going to you know, be gone the next year, and then, and then what do we do? Well, what's happening now? Let's let's focus on what's happening with us, and let's do what and let's be us. Let's be who who we are and, and what we are. And we're a rock and roll band, roots rock and roll band. That's sort of the key to it. We were a roots rock and roll band, and when we started playing music that's what we, what what we cut our teeth on you know Memphis and, and Elvis and and uh, real rock and roll
0: your drumming style you seem to have a bit more of a groove than
1: some drummers well yeah I, i'm a feel player so i have to feel something and so that i have to be very selective in what i play and a perfect example of that is suzy q mm. suzy q as you say was a, a rockabilly song. I didn't like it. Huh. It, was, it wasn't one of my favorite songs, I, uh, but it was in the set list, and, and, and we were playing in the bars at that time, and uh, six nights a week, five sets a night. So, you know, you've got to make your material stretch out. So, also, uh, the way economics, bar economics are very simple. You play music that makes people dance, when the people dance, they sweat. When they sweat, they buy beer. So, you know, that's 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 how how it worked. I came up with uh, the quarter note for for Suzy Q, and I had been listening to R and B, and they they use that bell of the symbol quarter note uh, groove uh, a lot, especially in choruses. You know, we give the chorus a lift. You, you, you give it a lift not by adding notes, but by t- taking notes away. And that would be four notes per bar. So I, I just started playing. And then I then the, the notes that I took out with my right hand, I replaced with my bass drum. Oh. So it, it made it like a crosscut. So I go, go, go and so it gives it a, a, a power it gives it more power by playing fewer notes it, it worked pretty well uh, a lot of what i what i play i learned from listening to r and and yeah. the black the black side of what was happening musically it appealed to me and it got in under under my skin and and uh you know I, I loved loved it when we were playing blues oriented uh, grooves. Shadows, another one you know uh, that's not a quarter note field but it it's, uh, definitely is uh, that m- where the backbeat uh, works and, and the, where you put the the kicks uh, working with the bass uh, either around it or accenting keynotes or, or accents and a uh, good example there is grapevine you know i do a, a lot of breaks on the four and the two and four, which are the usually the backbeats, mm-hmm. heard it through the grapevine and accenting the backbeat with a, a, a cymbal crash you know, and a bass drum hit. And very effective, it kind of sets up uh, the song, the places that you can go with what you're playing. I always wanted to have, have value. I wanted each note to have value. Yeah, That's kind of my signature, I guess. Uh, make it so you have to tap your feet to it. Don't play a lot of fills unless there's musical value to it. One song where I found, uh, it's almost like a triplet, really, Cool Stop the Rain, uh-huh. in the choruses, uh, when we were playing it, learning it, to me, it had no, no real personality or, or exclamation points. So I took it home. We used uh, cassettes on the floor and would and uh, use those as note takers and then I'd take it home, put it on my four track, and then write and, and play parts. That I, you know, was working on working on ideas, and kind of finally came up with that idea. You know, it's kind of like a triplet thing, but it, it gave it, it it gave it motion, and it it didn't have that that motion without it. And uh, John didn't like it. <laughs> I just said, you know, it's it's just another sort of ballad type song where that's not who we are, not what we do. And it, it gives the song some life, and and and, and it, it's an interesting change from what a song like that would 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 have in it. And I finally, I just say that in, in rehearsal, I would I would play the <laughs> the part, and then you'd look at me and scowl. Finally, you just um, you know I, I give up, and what that meant was, you know, I was right, and and it did. Make a, a huge difference in the statement in that song. Check that out.
0: Yeah, no, it's a
1: great. Uh, next time you hear that song, so you know and listen to, to what's happening with it.
0: Born on the bio, I think for me is a case in point, is that it's a whole band performance that lifts the songwriting just to the next level. You feel like a band at
1: your peak in that period, especially as you played together for so long. Well, that's my favourite Creedence song, Born on the Bayou. And again, that's another quarter note song. I'm playing quarter notes with my right hand, but I'm using the ride cymbal. And not necessarily the bell of the cymbal. I, I go uh, around it. Sometimes I'll bring the bell in. the The song, the song goes back and forth from the hi hat to the ride cymbal. It's quarter notes. You know, one, two, three, four, for the with the right hand. But I, there's an accent. It's a two part, two bar part, or four bar part. It's been so long, and I'm i da da you hit that accent. One, two, so uh, I'm playing, playing the accent with with the bass drum, whether I hit you hit the cymbal there or not. It's just a, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a something that you feel, and that move that, that what John was doing it, it, it really gave that power. Without without playing a, a break a break, I'm, I'm playing a part that brings the foot in uh, on those accents, and uh, I'm not doing big rolls or you know there are breaks in it, but the, the the main focus on it is that that accent and the fact that it's being played over the top with quarter notes instead of eighth notes.
0: And in that period, you and Credence played Woodstock. And it's only now, when all the tapes have come out, that you can hear your performance on. I think your hit single at the time was Green River, for example. Yeah, it had just come out. How good you were. (laughs) It's a bit of an understatement, but how good you were. And because you weren't featured on the film or the album, it's only now that people can hear, in terms of the level of performance, it, it equals you know, some of the more legendary appearances from the film.
1: Oh, well, I, I wish we would have been in the film. <laughs> cool. But That's another story.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: no Porter notes there. I can tell you that we've battled battles for 40 years over that dumb thing. And now, now, now John's embraced it. He even has a, a, a Volkswagen bus that he's kind of tried to hippie paint it. And, you know, and, and saying that, uh, uh, who will stop the rain was uh, he wrote after Woodstock when all uh, the whole time he said it was really the reign of of um, the president which who was Richard Nixon so you know it's it's kind of funny because for 40 years we battled against him we didn't play well this that and the other thing. we played fine I don't want it going on a John Fogarty thing but you know that, yeah, yeah. that was one that you know he he really he really missed it and uh as a result, the greatest concert in, in, in the history of popular music—we didn't get our shot in there. So that's life in the life in the whatever lane. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, we, we were uh, number one in the world at that time in record sales and yeah. and concert draw, and, and uh, that made it interesting when we went over over to Europe for the first time. Uh, the Beatles we did an an opposite beatle <laughs> what i call it an opposite beatle run because the Beatles came over took over and uh, dominated the air, airwaves uh, radio and uh, and played better rock and roll than than the Americans were playing kind of bringing it, bringing it back to where it should be, we, when we went over, we we went to, to uh, Royal Albert Hall, which is going to be coming out this, hopefully this year. You know, it was kind of a, a switching roles, if you will. Of course, the Beatles were far bigger, and, and we were we were a band, and uh, they were yeah. they were a, 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 a world changer, a life changer. Uh, they, they they affected. People in every way, not just with with music. Music was was there. It was what what brought them to the fore. But wow, I mean the effect they had on so, society and uh, culture. Hmm. Uh, we didn't have that, but we had the music. We had the rock and roll part of it.
0: when you just take just one of your albums and you're so prolific in that period with the double A sites, etc. But when you look at Cosmo's factory, for example, there's so many different styles on that album. There is quite a lot of ambition in in that material.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that kind of reminds me of what we used to do in the, when we were playing in the bars. Like I say, we played six nights a week, five sets a night. Uh, so you have (laughs) a lot of different, uh, the hits they were all hit songs but they they they, uh, they had such a variety of styles and types of music especially in top 40 you could have henry mancini and his orchestra playing a hit from a movie and then uh, little richard uh, would be the next artist up playing little richard you know <laughs> top 40 was uh and and that's where where i taught myself to play mostly on top 40 radio because every song was a hit so you're getting the best or at least most successful songs they may not you may not like them at all but uh that's that was the uh, the bowl, uh that i i Uh, reached in and took my piece of candy from, you know, uh, and and I would listen to what the drummer was doing and how how it affected and whether I liked it or not made, you know, all the difference in the world. There were guys that were playing circles around me. I'm a kid, high school kid, junior high school kid, actually teaching myself to play drums by listening to the radio. And, you know, I'm hearing all these great bands from uh, New Orleans, especially, you know, Little Richard and all those guys. Uh, there were several bands that were the same bands for a lot of artists, but they, were, they would go to the studio uh, in New Orleans and, and, and work out the music they wanted to play. And these guys, Earl Palmer for one, and Drummer Wise, and you know, these great, great session guys that were molding uh, the shape of rock and roll from the R&B side. And then the, the Memphis guys, you know, the, the white guys, if you will, were bringing rock and roll by adding adding beats to country music. Yeah. And the, those two things met in the middle, and the, there's your core rock and roll.
0: In more recent years, playing live with Stu, with... Uh... Clearwater Credence revisited. Mm-hmm. And um, what was it like playing those songs live again? Oh,
1: it was great. It was, yeah. it was great. You know, we, you know, we had a, a, a legacy and hats off to John's songwriting, but also hats off to the other guys in the band who came every day. And, yeah. for example, you know, the difference between Susie Q, the way John was playing it, As a rockabilly song to Susie Q as a dance song with a quarter note beat, completely 180 degrees from the rockabilly uh, side of things. So we brought, you know, we brought things to the table. That's why John has had two, I think, top ten singles in 40 years, and. And we had 17 and something like that, and hmm. and for less than four years, it, it was a team effort. Yeah. Did you have any favorite
0: tracks when you were playing them live in more recent years? To...
1: Well, it's, it's still my favorite is Born in the Bayou, and that's what we opened the show with. That's a good one, to that's a perfect song to get things going. People feel it a re- immediately. A, the beat is, a, is one that grabs your heart and gets the blood pumping. It was just fun looking over there and seeing it's my old buddy Stu. You know, here, here we are, uh, forty-some odd years later, whatever. You know, and and we've got. Three generations of fans. That's the hard part is being able to do that. Yeah, you know, people wanted to hear that music, and John wasn't playing it. He wasn't refused to play it. We said, well, you know, if he's not going to do it, let's do it. People want it. Let's give the people what they want, and uh, we did. And and (laughs) we were hoping that you know to get four or five years out of the project, and we we just. Retired of that, oh. uh, last year, 25 years. <laughs> good, it? You know, it never ceases to amaze me, the the, the cre- whole credence phenomenon.
0: Yeah, and as you say, it links up the generations because uh, some of the songs touch people in different ways. So you had like Fortunate Son with Vietnam and, and it resonating there. Songs today like Have You Ever Seen The Rain is touching the the younger generation with its more reflective lyrics. There is so much to latch onto for people across all generations with the Credence uh, back catalogue.
1: The toughest test is the test of time in a pop medium. and, And man, oh man, we've taken that test, kept it polished for all these years. I love going to the store. And I'm just when I'm buying a a bell pepper, here here comes one of our songs. I'm in the vegetable department or whatever. I still get a kick out of it. You know, we our dream when we started, we were an instrumental trio, and our our dream was very simple that we want to have our songs played on the radio. And well, fifty-three years later, they're still playing. So, dream come true. And then to have that catalog of music come back years, decades later, with uh, revisited, it's just wow. Here we go again. You know, it's just uh, I shake my head. You know, and just pinch myself and go, man, you're a lucky son of a gun. You know what a what a lucky son have begun to have a, a musical dream come true there, there so there's so uh, many of them and so few that that uh, you know that that happen in reality and uh, just how lucky we've been to to have that in our lives it's pretty amazing
0: We go it's worth mentioning your website dougcosmoclifford.com yes. and i assume the website will be updated with all the the links for clifford wright for all the money in the world when that album goes live and i guess they can look out for the the singles as
1: well yes uh, exactly as things uh, happen as the singles come out they'll be at that uh, website and uh, and then the second one and then of course when the album comes out you'll be able to Buy it there, and, and uh, it's a it's, it's a really good record. I've I've been playing it, uh, and usually I, I don't do that. Uh, you know, I like what we do. Every once in a while, I get out and play Ramble Tamble.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a what a weird song. It's, it's so different, it's, you know, with the with the tempo change, and uh, the, the big uh, uh, slap back echo on on, on the lead guitar. And, and the subject matter of the, the 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 lyric content is very very much like what's happening today yeah it's just uh an amazing uh amazing trip and of course you know uh, had, had our differences with john over the years but i certainly respect what he's done musically and uh, you know uh, i maybe uh, someday he'll just say you know put a hand across the table and sh- shake hands and, sh- and get, get rid of the, the silly stuff that, that shouldn't be there. What should be there is you know hey we, we pulled it off you know, we did it and, uh, and uh, that was our objective and uh, to do it a, a hundred times more than we had originally hoped. you know dreams come true but uh, I tell people you know they come true but if you don't uh, act on it, it's, it'll it'll never come true. You have to w- mm. work at a, at a dream. You have to f- be passionate about a dream. You, you have to put in the time to make that cross into uh, the zone of of success. Like we've had the success we've had is is very very far and few between. There's a lot of one hit wonders out there, and, and bless their hearts, you know there's nothing like having a hit record (laughs) so So, you know got people are one hit wonders they've had a taste of it you know they they can go to go to classic rock radio and hear themselves being played I mean that's there's nothing like it I've talked to I have a few friends and in the in the business and i said what what do you think when your song comes on the on the radio and it's oh, i turn the station i said why would you do that <laughs> you know what happens if they don't play your record anymore and, and you might might want to rethink that one
0: absolutely and um as, as we were saying, great to know that the music live on and uh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you Cosmo and g- given the, the stature of that music that will just uh, shine on for, for many generations to come so um, yeah hugely appreciated to talk to you
1: Oh my pleasure and thanks for, for wanting to
0: <laughs> No, well <there's laughs> uh, no words really given the music you've made Cheers. Alright bye bye and take care Bye bye